Hey, hey, welcome to another week of Sports Block Podcast here. We had one last week, and we are pleased to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the champion, back from vacation, and his dominating victory in the Midco Facebook. I mean, come on. You you dominated the competition uh, throughout all of this. Uh, all of the, I mean, you had the highest score out of anyone. Travis Crins is with Nathan's, yours truly, Nathan Stacken here. And first off, congratulations to you, Mr. Travis Crins, on winning the Midco Sportsnet uh, Trivia Championship on Facebook uh, because you guessed Jim Brown and someone and your competitor, a very worthy competitor, went Jim Thorpe, and he will forever have to live with that because that is... Uh, quite frankly, I think an inexcusable mistake. Who is the greatest athlete of all time? Jacket. Uh Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Jim Thorpe, greatest ever. Oh, yeah, nice. he was very confident. This kid was that I played against. He was very good. He uh, was very. He good. probably had a wider range. I am not in. I am not in my sports trivia prime. That passed, I would say, a few years ago. Uh, if you were to say who won the 2017 finals, so uh, it'd be like maybe the Golden State, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 16, I think, was Cleveland. But anything back in the 80s or the 90s, like I just, I know that stuff. But then once you get back to who won the 2007 finals, I think it was the Spurs. Who won in 08? I, was Boston or Lakers? One of the two, you, I don't know. You got Lillyhammer, though. For the Winter Olympics. Oh, my God, that was one of them I got to that. Because Winter Olympics, I got that one. That was a big one. Ultimately, all of it didn't matter because it came down to the final question. And when the final question was there, I looked at it like, uh, when I first saw it, I knew it right away. It was Jim Brown, Syracuse guy. In the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. He's he probably uh, truly the best. He's probably the best athlete yeah, of all time. Yeah, he's he great. He had an average five yards a carry. Only player to average a hundred rushing yards per game for his career. He's great. So I saw that Syracuse that ring rung a bell. My right, this is Jim Brown. We're in a hotel room in Topeka doing this thing on a Tuesday night one week ago. Played him a what's up. Yeah, he's, he's going to get this. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win because this is a really easy question mm-hmm. here for the final one. And he's been, he, he, he did really well in that last round, and he's going to know this. So I say Jim Brown, I bet everything but a dollar, everything but a point, just in case. And my competitor, Philip, I believe his name was, he bet the, the minimum amount to where I could not beat him. If he had so he, uh, he did what was smart. Yes. Yep. And ultimately, it didn't matter because not only did he not think it was Jim Brown, he said, well, you got the first name right. It's Jim. But it's the greatest athlete of all time. It's Jim Thorpe. And when he said that, he was so confident in saying that, I thought maybe it is Jim Thorpe. I, I will admit, I had a brief pause, too, because I had said Jim. <laughs> I had typed Jim Brown in. On the Facebook chat with all the you know all the people watching, oh. and I had said Jim Brown is like J- Jim Thorpe, like ooh, 
Maybe, but I... Maybe it is Jim Thorpe. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's Jim Brown, so all right. I got a chance here. We go to the scorecard, and they click on it, and it's Jim Brown. I'm like, I won. This whole thing, I trailed it pretty much from the get-go, and I won this thing. I'm like, what? The first game, I thought I played better. Uh, the second game, he played better than I did. He knew more questions. He got more right. But the thing is, like, they did eight or nine of these. And I, and I think it was every one. Whoever trailed throughout ends up winning. I have no idea how it happened. But if you trailed for most of the game, whoever was in the lead ended up losing. So, and that was true for the championship. And I somehow got it right. And he, he took it well, but I'm sure he was just devastated. And he was oh, very yeah. confident that he won. And he played a very good game, uh, but he just didn't know it was Jim Brown, it, not Jim Thorpe. It's a it's a Jean Vandeveld like moment. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're cruising through there, and you just choke it away. I mean, it's just it. It really was a layup. It really was a layup type of deal. For, for a mean, final question, yes. Like, I mean. I don't think they would have tried to really trick you on a final question. And I'll be no. honest, Jim Thorpe didn't even come to my didn't come to mind. No, not at all, not at all. I mean, it was Jim Brown. I mean, you knew it. Yep. I knew it. You knew it. You knew it within five seconds. Jim Brown, he was running back. He was great. The hundred yards thing that that was an indication. He went to yep. Syracuse. I remember that. Yep. Was, yep. You know, maybe it was somebody else, but no, it was, it was Jim Brown. Yep. And then he comes up with Jim Thorpe, who. Was he from the Illinois area? He did not go to Syracuse, and he didn't play all that long in the NFL. He played with the early 20s, I think. Yep. The, t- the 20s before the NFL was really even a thing. But anyway, it was Jim Brown. So, very, very fortunate to, to win the whole thing. Yes, and what did what did you end up winning? It was a, a Yeti cooler, I believe, correct? Yeah, Yeti cooler. So... Uh, I said, don't mail it out, because we were in Kansas. Don't mail it to Mitchell. Don't mail it to Sioux Falls. I've heard Sioux Falls plenty, so we'll schedule a time sometime in the next couple of weeks, and we can meet the guy, and we can pick it up. So, Are you meeting Alex Heinert, or are you meeting the other guy? The other guy, Josh Muntz. He's in okay. Sioux Falls. Alex Heinert, I assume, is in Grand Forks up in North Dakota. Yep, I would guess that. I assume that's where he would be at. So, yeah, we'll meet Josh Muntz with that. I did get that big gallon Arctic jug thing for winning the first round. And that came in very handy on our vacation. Mm-hmm. Just to fill that thing full of water and ice. And a couple of days would go by and it would still be cold and there would still be ice in there. So that was uh, very helpful on the trip. And, and how- I did a baseball game last night in Brandon and I brought mm-hmm. it along with me there. I brought, hope you brought your mask with. Didn't look like very many other people were wearing a mask. No, I didn't wear a mask either. I had it with me, but I was in the corner by myself there. So, all right. Yeah, we got plenty of baseball. At least you starting, have. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we have the amateur tournament in Mitchell. Ooh. That goes for the next week and a half until next Sunday, and there will be uh, quite a few people at some of the games. And I would expect not many masks to be worn. I'll probably wear one heading into the into the stadium because I need to go through the crowd and the people to get to the press box. Yep. Once the press box will take it off, but I'll probably wear one going through that crowd. 
And how was your vacation in Kansas? Uh, what did you do? <laughs> oh, excuse me. Was that the dog or was that you? No, that, that was me. That was me. I was trying to hold that uh, sneeze in. My goodness. Uh, so what, yeah, that was a sneeze. Uh, believe it or oh, not. Wow. Um, so what? how was your vacation in Kansas? It was good. Uh, last two weekends ago, we left on Saturday morning, went to the Omaha Zoo. Uh, two weekends ago, it was pretty hot, like 90, 95. Yeah. Very humid out. So uh, we saw the zoo, Omaha Zoo, for about four hours. Uh, you had to wear a mask inside. Uh, outside, we just kept it on. Uh, a lot of people took it off outside. Yeah. And they had a good crowd there. Um, a lot of the exhibits were closed, so a lot of it was open. You still spent four hours there. But I, I don't know why some of the indoor things were open and why some of the indoor things were not. I don't know why some were and were not. I think they'd all be open. But they weren't, and yeah, that was fun. So we stayed in Omaha that night and then went down to uh, Central Kansas for a couple of days. Went to Topeka, saw the state capitol, and spent uh, some time in Kansas City and saw the relatives and folks down there. So Did you go to the yeah, Power and Gaslight District in Kansas City? No, we didn't, we didn't go down there, no. Hmm. I've heard about it. I've not been down there. Well, when we go to the Big 12 tournament here sometime, uh, it's right next to the Sprint Center. So, Right next to the arena? Yep, right next to the arena. Great fun. It rained a little bit on the trip. It cooled off quite a bit. The last couple of days were perfect weather. This past weekend was very nice. But I uh, had some heavier rains throughout the week. And uh, Topeka roads are some of the worst roads I've ever traveled, especially really? in the town. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, and there's some heavy rain, but they need more storm drains. Just not many storm drains in certain parts of that state or that town of Topeka. What, uh, what roads are worse? Topeka roads or I, uh, is it I-29 on uh, by Sioux City? What's worse? Yeah, Topeka, Topeka is the worst. Um, just patches upon patches of roads. Uh, sections of neighborhoods where the lawns were, it seemingly like there was nobody that lived there. It had to be the case because the lawns were just weeds. And they had this nice old cobblestone road and there was even grass growing there on the road. Mm. And cracks, like you think you would keep that up a little bit, so that was disappointing to see in some parts. Did you make it to Wichita and see my friend Greg Marshall? I did not see, uh, I did not go to Wichita. I mistook, uh, I thought I mistook places for Wichita. Like, are we going to Wichita or where the hell are we going? Where, where, where are we supposed to be? But, you know, I guess Wichita was maybe an hour, hour and a half south of where we were. Okay. We went to Abilene. That was the home of Dwight Eisenhower. Oh, cool. Very cool. So not a very big town. It's about 6,000 people. And a pretty nice town. Uh, the Eisenhower Museum was closed. We were going to go to that. That was one of the big things. And uh, we did not end up going because we couldn't. And another one went to Kansas Museum of History. That was in Topeka. And that was also closed. So two of the bigger things uh, were still closed when we got down. Everything else was pretty much open. The uh, the state capitol is pretty nice in Topeka. And that was open, and you can just go in that thing, and you can just walk around wherever. Which is amazing. 
You get a little visitor center at the bottom, you go in there, you go through the metal detector, and it doesn't cost anything, and you go wherever you want. So you could have voted for a bill, potentially. Yeah, we went into the House, we went into the Senate, a bunch of stuff. There's nobody in there, we went to the Supreme Court. Like, it seemed like there were other people there, but we didn't see many people. Like, we were the only ones in there, and we were just looking around for maybe an hour and a half. So... That was a good time. And then you found yeah. uh, some very good barbecue. Now, I'll be, oh, I'll, I'm i curious to uh, know, uh, was this barbecue really barbecue that uh, had its greatest performance, arguably, after it had the flu? Uh, oh, yeah. Does this, uh, does this barbecue fail at baseball um, but succeed yep. at other sports? You called it the Michael Jordan of barbecue. And Melissa this promptly re- says this- that because it retired so many times, uh, which is I thought was right. very funny. Very funny line from her. Yeah, she's using that before, so I was ready for it. And um, this barbecue has a gambling problem as well. Huh. <laughs> yes. But very good barbecue, uh, yeah. huh? Very good, very good barbecue. It's Joe's barbecue. If you were down there, um, this was the barbecue that I puked up. Some five years ago, uh, when did SDSU play camp? Twenty fifteen. Yeah, you went to the Royals game. I remember with uh, with Traxler and uh, was me, it, was Drew, and Marcus, and the other guy at the paper went down there, and it was hot as hell in Kansas City there Labor Day weekend, and we saw SDSU beat Kansas, and we saw a couple of White Sox and Royals games, and it was very warm, and I got sick and. So I threw up on the interstate as we were idling down the interstate. And uh, we were in the midst of eating this Joe's barbecue. And it was very good. That's I a, some of it up. I think that's world uh, famous, it, isn't it? Or it's, it's very, huh? very famous. I think Joe's barbecue is very, fa- very famous. Is it like Oklahoma yeah, Joe's or something like that? It's considered like the best. Yep. Like, there's a lot of barbecue places down there. This is like the best one. Yep. For, well, for a place that has a lot of them. And that's the Michael Jordan. It's, you know, considered the best. There's a lot of basketball players. Who's the best? We know who the best is. Should so call, no. it, arguably, then, is it the Jim Brown of barbecue? I think it would be. I mean, the greatest athlete of all time, Jim Brown. Oh, uh, yeah, it'd be a Jim Brown of barbecue. That's fitting. So, I'd, I'd eat it. It was good. Uh, the one guy we went with, Garrett Hodge, uh, had lived down there for a while, so he knew where to go. We'd never heard of this place, so he knew where to go. And he had ordered it five years ago, and then that's when I picked it up. And I immediately felt a hundred times better after I threw up. And I just continued to eat the meat. And one location was in, the, it's in this gas station. And there's so many people in there. And it's in this rundown gas station. Well, we went to this other location. It was totally random that we ended up here. We actually had it the night before. We met uh, her aunt and some of her cousins. Okay. And her aunt uh, bought a bunch of Joe's barbecue, went there and picked it up and brought it to us. And well, that's cool. That was good. Yeah. And I was excited for that. And then our very next night, which was our last night there on Friday, uh, we were looking for some place to eat. And randomly, it was across the street from wherever we were at. And then, well, I didn't want to go here. Even though we had it the night before, I want to go there again because it's, it's going to be years it, before I get down here again. Yep, and it's so damn so good. We had it. Yeah, what was that? It's so damn good. 
Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have it for years. Like, we'll go down there again, I'm sure, but it ain't going to be for a while. So, like, we had it last night. It was excellent. Let's get it again. And we did, and this was an actual location. I think they got three locations, the gas station and this other one in Kansas City. Um, so we went there, and there was a line. We probably stood in line for a good 20 minutes. And I got what we got, and we got there about 6.30 or so, and we left about an hour later at 7.30, and there were still people in line waiting. It was a constant stream of people. Yep. And it is, it is excellent. What is it? And it is excellent, uh, excellent food. I probably got a little bit, but it felt pretty good. Let's see. Felt pretty good afterwards. Um, they had some special airs, the Porkamania or Hogamania, something or other. Okay. That was uh, the two little ribs I had. Uh, I had some pulled pork, had some sausage, which I would have preferred the brisket or the sausage, but I'll take the pig. It's a pig. And then a cup of uh, beans. Take the beans. Yep. The beans are more like barbecue beans. that taste more like chili. Yep. And baked beans. They were good. And some potato salad. Mm. Um, it was all very good. And a piece of toast. Did you have cornbread? Um, oh, to- toast, not cornbread. Yeah, no cornbread. Not a big fan of cornbread. So happy with the toast. That was fifteen dollars. Uh, I was full. Uh, a lot of people were getting something called the Z-Man. I think that was something with the brisket, maybe a brisket sandwich of some sorts. Because uh, it puts you to sleep, oh. I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, very yeah. A nap would be recommended after eating all of this. And yeah, I, I would eat slow and just stay with the flavor and even got a couple of t-shirts. I'm like, I'm going all out on this. I'm getting some t-shirts and everything with this. So that's what we did on our last night. And we're going out there again, we'll have to hit that up because... Yeah, it was, it was very good. Well, very good. I'm glad you had a wonderful time and, uh, of course, capped off with your uh, victory in the trivia uh, match. So, very good. I'm glad you had a great week. Uh, last week, I had talked about uh, the Marlins and the COVID-19. I was, you know, I was like, oh, crap. You know, I mean, it would be great to get your perspective. And like, well, will this happen again? Well, sure enough, it does. It, it happened with the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Philadelphia Phillies, to a lesser extent, the Marlins have uh, resumed playing their season. Uh, we're recording this right now, and uh, the Marlins are playing the Orioles, I believe. So that's good for them. But the Cardinals, their series is currently canceled. And I, I had heard, I don't know definitively if this is true or not, but it may, they may have caught it from a casino in Minnesota. I would guess. I would guess if they went to a casino. It would be Mystic Lake, or as I call it, Mistake Lake, in uh, is that that Prior Lake there? Or it's a, it's right outside of Shakopee. Um, that would be my guess. That's where like Canterbury uh, Downs is and stuff. They, they do the horse horse racing out there. That would be my guess if they indeed went to a casino. But now the Cardinals have this, and Derek Jeter. They, came out with a statement regarding the Marlins situation a couple days ago and said, like, you know what, baseball players, we, you know, you need to take better care of yourselves, like, you need to make smarter decisions if you want this season to go. And I've disagreed with much of what Derek Jeter has done with the Marlins ever since he joined their front office, or you know, bought a stake in them, I guess. Uh, 
But I will say I probably agree with him here because the baseball players were making this big stink all along about like guaranteed money, and I'm sure they wanted kind of this bubble that has worked so well in the NBA and the NHL. But at the end of the day, you are still you are still responsible for your own actions and behaviors. So if you really, it just seems like some of the actions by certain players are. It, it, what they were asking for, then it rings hollow if you're not going to truly devote yourself to this sprint of a season. Like, you should be going from your hotel to the team bus to the game, back to the bus, back to the hotel. Like, you shouldn't be going anywhere. Right. Like, this is... Sports should not be happening right now. It's probably not smart. But they are. So if you want them to happen, don't go. I, I don't know if they went to like a strip club. If the Marlins went to a strip club in Atlanta, if that's the rumor of what happened, when you have like twenty cases, it's like good lord. Like and then the Cardinals did whatever they did. Don't go to a casino. Don't go anywhere. The season's not going to last very long. It'll be done uh, here in seven, eight weeks. Then you can go home to your families and not go anywhere over the next three, four months. Maybe the Marlins went to... Uh, you, can go, you can go and play some baseball here. There's plenty of home games. You're not going to be away from your family all that much, and if you want to protect them, don't go anywhere when you're on the road to Pittsburgh or Minneapolis or Detroit or Atlanta or Miami. Don't go anywhere. It's fine. Those cities will be there next year. Hopefully things are better. You know, if you so want to bring them, like a... It's ridiculous. Yeah, if you want to bring, like, you know, if you want to go golfing or something, at least that's outdoors. It, I mean, that would, yeah, I think yeah. even be a little bit extreme. And maybe the Marlins went to uh, to get some wings like Lou Williams did uh, for the, yes. the guy for the Clippers. Um, I, I, I get that you don't want to be, like, in a totalitarian or, like, a, a you know, a feel like it's like communism or something where your lives are being dictated and you can't you can't leave your hotel room or something but i mean again this is a shortened season you don't have to travel that far none of these teams apart from the texas rangers and houston astros really have to travel that much because if you're in the east you're playing all eastern teams so you're on the eastern side of the of the country if you're in the central time zone where's the furthest you're flying either kansas city or pittsburgh I mean, the West is a little further, but they have. It's interesting. The West hasn't had any issues so far. It's the team in the Central and the Eastern time zone that have had the biggest issue. I, I, I find that a little funny, considering California and Texas and Arizona are three of the the biggest hit uh, states in terms of the coronavirus. And so far, these teams out in the NL and the AL West have not had many issues of which to speak of. So we've had these two things happen. Hopefully we don't have anything more like this. Hopefully this was a wake-up call that this can't happen and it's happened right away, and let's try to limit this again. I don't know what they're going to do to make up these games. Uh, Marlins not expected to be competitive. Cardinals should probably make the playoffs, um, likely. But how are they going to make up all these games? Seven, eight, ten game. Like, how do you make that up? Are you going to just like, go by? Matters. Are you going to take sixteen teams based off of winning percentage? Then at the end of the season, like, is that the best yeah, way to I do want, it? I want to see, like, you know, the Cardinals, like back in Miami. They're two and one. They're two and one. They played one series, and they haven't played in a week and a half. And 
what do you do at the end of the season if there's a 10-game difference or an 8-game difference in games played? You're going to try and do doubleheaders. What, we saw uh, two seven-inning doubleheaders over at Cincinnati and Detroit? Yes. Last week, played the uh, first time ever, like a freaking softball or high school baseball game. A couple of seven-inning doubleheaders, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more of those yep. uh, here with these other teams. So hopefully this doesn't happen again, uh, because this was a mess. But, the, I mean, you have this 60-man roster. It's 30 right now. I think it's going to go down to 28 here in the next few days. Uh, but you have, like, this 60-man roster you can pick from. So it's like, can you have these stretches where you go a week without playing? Like, wasn't that kind of what the 60-man rosters were? So when people inevitably do get sick, you have these minor leaguers waiting to kind of fill those spots. Boy, you would think so. You would certainly think it's so. It's extremely hard when you have 20 players or so. Get When you literally have two-thirds of your team who have it, that's a bit on the extreme side. But what's the point of having, you know, you have this taxi squad so they can fill in a little bit. What's the point of having these guys if, if you have a couple of cases, you call some guys up, and then you're ready to go? It, it certainly does make a lot of sense and I'm wondering I mean because so, baseball this year is going the NBA and NHL route of going over you know, like over 50% of the teams making the playoffs so does I mean and inevitably some teams won't get all of their games in so does it make sense perhaps that you go off of winning percentage this year versus straight up record uh with the caveat being you have to play minimum, say, uh, 66 to 75% of your season. Like, is that, is, that a do, is that doable? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't like uh, the added playoff teams. And it's going to be a three-game series that first round. And the Twins should win a playoff game and hopefully a playoff series. Uh, but you're gonna have teams right around 500 get in, so I did not like that, and I didn't like it. It was like right before the season started, like the day before. They decided this, so I was not a fan of that. Um, and the tools are really good this year. Like they were really good last year, and their pitching appears to be a little better this year. And like they are really, really, really good. Their bullpen is fantastic. I think apart uh, before Caleb Thielbar. Uh, pitched in uh, this afternoon's contest against Pittsburgh, their bullpen hadn't allowed a run since like I I don't even know like the the Cardinal series or maybe it was Chicago, yeah. against Chicago. I mean that, that's insane, insane how well this bullpen is doing. And now I have to ask because uh, yes, the Twins are very good. They have the second best record in the American League, but how much of that? is indicative of the schedule that they are playing because this is a far easier schedule. They, they have the easy... They beat the shit out of they, Cleveland. Cleveland's not yeah. bad. They, they aren't bad. They scored 10 runs, though, in a four-game series uh, in this Bomba squad. Now, granted, they gave up only, what, three runs in four games. Yep. They pitched three shut, uh, two shutouts, Gave up two runs in the only game that they lost, and that was a two nothing loss in the first game on Thursday on national television on Fox. So you know, way to get your, you know, show the world how great you are, uh, Twins. Not um, 
So I mean that's they're, that's great, and I'm not I'm not trying to take away from that, but this is a far different year for the Twins. Or, and for baseball in general, the Twins have a very easy schedule. They don't have to play the Yankees or the Rays or the Astros, the the Angels, any of these teams. They get to beat up on the crappy teams like the Royals and the Pirates. Um, so I'm just, I, I know they're very good, but is that more uh, indicative of the schedule that they're playing the fact that they are nine and two and the second best record in the American League. Yeah, Pittsburgh's terrible, but Cleveland's good. St. Louis isn't bad, so yeah, that bullpen is excellent. Uh, Taylor Rogers is great. Tyler Duffy is great. Trevor May is excellent. Sergio Romo. Sergio Romo is very good. Tyler Clifford was a very good addition. So you got five guys now. You got to match up. You got the bats to match up with the Yankees. And the Yankees pretty much shut down the Twins' offense last year. But now you need some bullpen guys because the Yankees go five or six deep. And, like, every bullpen guy that they put out there, the Yankees did, their top five or six guys. Taylor Rogers was maybe better than most of those guys, but the Twins didn't have anybody that was remotely close to any of those other five or six guys Right. for the Yankees' bullpen. So now they do. They got five guys so I'm fine with any of those guys in any spot so that's exciting you don't really need pitchers to go more than five six innings anymore so starting pitching would be their one weakness that they could address um, but I mean they what they I mean they got um, they got Maheda from the Dodgers right I mean that's that's good I think Maheda's been very yep, good Maheda, yep. his old hurt but he had one start and he was Gave up two hits and five innings against Cleveland. Barrios hasn't uh, been Rios. that great so far. Barrios did good today. Um, he's been okay. Odorizzi still hurt. They've had a lot of injuries, and they get Michael Pineda back in the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah. So they're very deep. They go eight or nine deep, starting pitching wise. Randy Dobnak has been excellent. Uh, Devin Smelter has been fine. So they go very deep, starting pitching wise. Um, but yeah, I think the bullpen's going to carry them. Uh, Nelson Cruz, early MVP type season for Nelson Cruz. Just amazing what he's doing. Um, Josh Donaldson hasn't done much. He's hurt again, but it all comes down to the playoffs. Can you beat, you know, hopefully they get a one seed or a two seed and they take on whoever they take on. And you got to beat them. And hopefully you can avoid the Yankees until the championship series. And hopefully you can win and play the Yankees again because you're going to have to beat them. Yeah, Man. it's just setting up for the inevitable sweep. In the inevitable sweep, yeah. I mean, you kind of forget about the 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 prized acquisition, uh, the signing of Josh Donaldson. I mean, he hasn't done much. What he's had one home run so far this year, and they they haven't needed him necessarily. And I guess I I'm looking more at him paying dividends in a full season. Not that he won't pay dividends in a shortened season, but you're looking for that long term that that that. That viability, the, the the availability, and how well he can do for an entire season. I look at that as him making a much bigger impact next year than this year. But yeah, the Twins are playing outstanding. What else has caught your eye so far from the baseball season? Oh, are we up? Houston got a little fight, as you would expect. 
Little there. Yep. Joe Kelly, Dodgers pitcher, got suspended eight games for that. I I think that, that is that was a bit much. That was a bit much. Don't you do you think in part it was uh, because it got the benches to clear and that was you know kind of COVID situation that they're trying to avoid and also I mean that's the the one thing I can think of that would maybe be why that suspension was so heavy. This was 100% history and the Dodgers and the Astros and what happened. If this was Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, not much. Maybe, uh, you know, Dodgers, Rockies, maybe not much comes from it. Because if it was these teams doing what they did, I think they came down a little harder than usual. Yep. No. That's fair. It's interesting to see what teams are going to be good. We're still too early here, but you got uh, Detroit, they're at 5-5. Five and five. You've got uh, Baltimore, they're at five and three. So it's going to be interesting, even 20 or 30 games into this thing, to see what just truly awful teams are going to stick around. And I, even though I don't like the new playoffs for this year, it should be exciting, and pretty much everybody should be in it here with about 10 games to go. So that'll be exciting to see you know, how this how this works. Padres, I'm all in on the Padres. Yep, yep. I was just uh, going to bring them up. Down, train, Train is leaving town on the Padres. So, well, uh, you know, we're both on it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Astros, they, they Astros did what they did. Clemson did what they did. Padres, you're up next. Very good. The fathers in the yellow and brown. I'm still not uh, sure. I excellent. I quite agree with no. the colors, but excellent. All right. Um, the NBA resumed last week. Uh, have you watched any NBA? No. Okay, me either. Uh, I mean, t- things seem to be going well, though, in the bubble. There have been a number of really good and close games. Uh, Memphis is doing everything they can to give up the eight seed. Uh, so I, I'm thinking we'll see the Spurs or the Trailblazers in in the playoffs, which is just great because no one wants that. Um, but uh, so far... Uh, <laughs> You can do what hockey and basketball are doing with the site, so nobody's going to get sick. Or they shouldn't. Right. Baseball could have maybe tried that in Arizona or Florida at a couple different sites. Would have been tougher, but possible. But they didn't, and things have not gone great. Sometimes, hopefully, things go well from here on out. I don't see how the NFL is going to make this happen. I don't see how college football happens. I don't see how NFL happens. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, you know, the NFL's having players opt out right now, like Damian Williams, uh, arguably the MVP of the Super Bowl this past February. Uh, he has opted out for the Chiefs. Um, Michael Pierce, the the prize defensive t- uh, tackle, free, acqui- free agent acquisition for the Vikings this offseason to replace Linval Joseph. He has opted out. And some of these guys are doing it because they have, you know, pre-existing health conditions, you know, respiratory or whatnot. Others are doing it for their family. And that's totally fine. I'm not going to fault anyone who doesn't, uh, who chooses not to play this year for that. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I really don't. Um, College football especially. I'm going to try and get Charlie on here because um, I want his thoughts, A, on, on the, first off, on the on what's going on in the Pac-12 and that 
whole deal. But it seems like the the conferences aren't necessarily in unison with one another because the ACC added uh, what they're doing ten game conference schedule and then one non conference game. In they were hoping to do that, you know, to keep the rivalry games going with the SEC. And then the SEC said, uh, "No poop on you, just uh, ten conference games for us." It kind of caught the ACC by surprise. Uh, I mean, the Big 12's doing a uh, 9 plus 1 deal, which makes sense. You play everyone in the in the conference, and then you add a non-conference game in there. Uh, the Big 10 might not play, but that seems a little stupid. Uh, I mean, if the SEC and the ACC are going to go through with this, so be it. But Rashad Bateman pulls out of uh, the season for Minnesota, and that, that makes a lot of sense. He's a first-round pick. He's very, very talented. It sucks for the Gophers. Um, but I get why he's doing it. Uh, that Virginia Tech cornerback, uh, Farley, I think, uh, pulled out because he has he's going to be a, a probably a first round draft pick, and he had some concerns about what college football was doing. I'd say this: I think college football is in a far more precarious situation than the NFL is. Um, yeah, NFL will just go. I don't know what's going to stop them. They're just going to keep going. Apparently, the FCS is supposed to make a decision tomorrow on the playoffs and how that may look. So that's probably going to be some big news tomorrow. I mean, FCSU doesn't have anything for the I mean, nobody really has anything for the first three weeks. So it's instead of the end of August, it's the end of September now. Sort of college football. Couldn't you fit in some different non-conference games? Like, couldn't you pick up a game with, a, a like, say, a Big 12 opponent or... Uh, an ACC yeah. team, if you really wanted to, or you know, someone from the MAC. I mean, the, for I mean, for goodness sakes, the MAC like Bowling Green lost two Big Ten teams uh, off, yeah. off their schedule. So there are ways to add games there that would at least provide a little bit of revenue for these teams in the Missouri Valley if they wanted to go that way. And it's interesting here in South Dakota. There's not many cases because there's not many people, and. Like, you need facilities and things. I'm surprised that more things nationally aren't happening up here. I guess they're happening in Florida because they've got facilities and Disneyland and Disney World and whatever down there. But, like, we had the PBR here a couple weeks ago. There was, like, a couple thousand people, I think, in the, in the big arena. That was on CBS. And uh, Toby Keith is uh, supposed, to, supposed to have a concert next month. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Houston Speedway in Brandon, just east of Sioux Falls, that's been closed for three years because of terrible ownership, but somebody else has bought it and they reopened it up. Looks very nice now. And uh, they had a race there, I think it was Sunday, and they had 9,000 people. That's capacity of Houston Speedway dirt track. 9,000 people were there. Wow. That's a lot of people. That is a lot. So that happened, and I'm sure nothing will come from it. We'll see what happens. We have Sturgis coming up here this week for the next week and a half. Uh, the president had his deal, 4th of July, out in Rapid City. It seemed to be okay there. So a lot of these things are going on. What I, what I was thinking about is WWE, they're having their lowest ratings of all time. The product's terrible right now. Uh, and they've been down in Florida shooting a bunch of shows in empty or an empty uh not even arenas, just an empty building. Mm-hmm. And for that I think like why would they not come up here and you can we've shown that 
even a couple thousand people to go to an arena, why wouldn't they come up here? They could have shows in front of people. So I don't know why they don't do that. I'm sure us, we would be willing to go to those and the arenas would be willing to host those since they've shown that they, that they're going to host concerts and things right. like that. So I don't know why more things don't look towards Montana or North Dakota, South Dakota, up here where there's nobody and we've got some big arenas and I don't know why they don't look up here to do some of those things. So when it comes to college football, I mean, FCSU should be fine. Like, North Dakota State should be okay there in Fargo. That's kind of a big town. Yep. But SDSU should be fine, just depending on what goes on on campus. But uh, yeah, the NAIA, they pushed a lot of things back to the to the uh, winter and next spring. What, Minnesota, they announced their what, high school football is going to be next spring, along with the volleyball. So... I don't know how you do all that stuff. I guess it's going to be after basketball, I guess, after March, middle of March. I, well, that's what I don't know. I mean, I hate that college basketball might be impacted by this. I think you, obviously, with like with March Madness and stuff, the NCAA needs to be smart enough to make sure that that is its, its prize jewel and that that's the focus because you don't want college football to take away from March Madness. Are we in agreement on that? Cause I, I think that... To have the two coincide with one another is not a smart idea. I'd probably, I don't care either way. As long as college uh, basketball is there, that's fine with me. Like with the football, I really don't care if there's football or not. If there's not, that's fine. I'm, I'm just saying care. if they moved it to the spring, I'm wondering if maybe you push the college basketball season back and have, say, May Madness. I mean, that would work. Yeah. That would work. I mean, would it be great? No, that- but it would work. I think basketball show they can make this work with the bubble, so they should be taking notes on what hockey and what NBA are doing, so that college basketball can at least have a national tournament at the end of the year. You're probably not going to have all these sites, but you bring the teams in as early as possible, and you have these mini bubbles for a week or whatever you would do. Maybe the tournament lasts a little longer, but I think basketball. The ones I, th- I thought baseball would maybe be the sport that'd be the easiest, but it appears that it's the environment in which you work in every day. And again, if you're going from the basketball court to a hotel, from the hotel to the basketball court with a hockey rink, you're probably not going to get it because nobody's coming in and nobody's coming out. So they know how to prevent this. Like a lot of things, if you want to prevent it, you can prevent it. In basketball and hockey, they're not having any positive tests. Right. They, they know how to stop it. The so NHL. We, stop it, we know what to do. Yep. We're not smart enough to do that. The NHL had over 7,000 tests in the last week. Not one positive. Uh, not one positive yes, test yes. out of the 7,600. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Nobody's getting in. Everybody who's there is there. And if you want to come in, what do you got to stay away for two weeks? Yeah. And you got to be cleared. Then you can join join the party. Yep. But it's very simple. It's very simple. We know how to beat this, and, and we know what to do, but uh, we, we don't want to do it. I do. So people are people yeah. are upset that this that this virus is still around. We haven't done enough to stop it. We haven't sacrificed enough. We haven't been boarded up in our homes enough. We did it for about two months, but we didn't do it very well, and we kind of got tired of it, and we said, all right, we're opening up again. Wear a mask wherever you go. People hate the mask. 
well, guess what? You're going to have to wear a mask for the rest of this year and probably have to wear a mask for a lot of next year. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And the good news is, and hopefully, this uh, this vaccine that they are talking about, uh, maybe there's some hope that it gets out, you know, in, in late fall, you know, like November or something, otherwise early next year, and that, that could certainly have some positive effects there. And I don't know. It, it's even, more, even if it doesn't, I don't mean the vaccine is going to completely stop it, but even if it uh, dull the symptoms a little bit. That'll be that'll be a big help. It's kind of, it's like a flu vaccine, you know the flu. Yeah, you're still gonna get the flu, but hopefully it doesn't kill you. You get the flu, you're probably not gonna die. Even if you get this, you're probably not gonna die, but there could be some lasting effects. Yep. Even well after you've had it, so that's uh, that's the big problem there. Yes, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. NFL training camps are going on, but no preseason games, so we're nothing really to talk about there. Have you watched any of the NHL going on? No, there's games like in, in random parts of the day. And the good thing about this is like there's games on all the time. So yes. Where I'm like, like, are these games like live or are these yes. random games? Like, you know, there's hockey games on from what, 11 in the morning till midnight. Yes. Yep. And basketball is pretty much games on from noon all, all night long. Yep. Well, that's good. And the good news, the good news for the NBA is that you know when TNT does these double headers, the latest they can start is eight o'clock central, which would be nine local in in Orlando. So you can stay up and watch these games. Uh, you're right. The basketball is going on all day. Hockey has the two hubs in Toronto and Edmonton. So yes, they start early in the day, and you you're seeing sometimes five, maybe six games in a day, three in each city. I mean, it it works. They've done very very well. Uh, Toronto is pumping in the crowd noise and stuff. Uh, um, Edmonton is not, so you you're hearing the raw uh, emotion and the you know all the the raw audio from the players, the refs, the the coaches. So that's great. There, um, I'll try and get Marcus on later as well to keep talking about the the qualifying round here. Uh, if not, we'll try and get him on next week. But uh, yeah, the NHL is doing very good so far, and they are doing their qualifying round, which is part of the playoffs, whereas the NBA is conducting their abbreviated end to the regular season, eight games for all the teams. So I was gone last week, and this is really my this, tonight is my first night to really sit and watch anything. You see it here and there, you're in the hotel, and you're kind of keeping tabs. But tonight, the first night, I can turn on MLB TV. I can look at the game, say what game do I want to watch. First, because opening day was the day before we were leaving. I didn't even get a chance that day. So I've been keeping up with the Twins and watching highlights and watching games here and there. But yeah, tonight's my first I had to work last night. So tonight's my first night of actually sitting down, and it's going to be a busy couple of weeks here. Yeah, yes, because with the baseball tournament, Mitchell... Yes, uh, certainly you want to get in the sports while you can. Uh, that's all I have. Anything else that you would like to discuss? Just on vacation uh, with everything going on. Like, we wore our mask everywhere except uh, when we were eating in a restaurant or when we were in a hotel or car. Like, we wore it everywhere we went, inside or outside. And a lot of people did. Some people didn't. Uh, when we were, 
let's see. Like a lot of the places in Kansas, like you have to, I think the governor mandated you have to wear it inside a building. I guess it was up to that building's owner to enforce it. But pretty much everywhere we went, people had masks on inside. Good. And there was a sign posted outside that it, to come in here, you have to you have to wear a mask. And if you don't, you can't come in here. So for the most part, it was fine. It was easy. It was good. I went grocery shopping tonight in Mitchell. I wore a mask. And a lot of people did. Some didn't. It was maybe 50-50. It was pretty close. Uh, so, high V, I would hope, right? You you went to the high V. Oh, we have no high V. What? No I thought you had no a high V in Mitchell. When did that? Have you never had a no, high V in Mitchell? Never, never ever. We have a Walmart. We have a Coburn's. We have a County Fair. Three grocery stores. We love a high V, but I don't think that's. Uh, How is there not a high V in Mitchell? Good God, that seems like a missed opportunity. There's a potential rumor that perhaps Hy-Vee will go to St. Cloud, which uh, between wow. Costco and uh, Hy-Vee, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where my paycheck is going. Uh, to just those two wow. stores alone, Kelsey will have to uh, give me just a little bit of an allowance to go shopping. Do you like the Hy-Vee? I love the Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee and Costco, it's where it's at. It's surprising it's not up there. Maybe it's too far north. I don't know. Well, they're in the but cities. Yeah, we don't have a high yeah, they're in the cities. They've done very well there. I think they'll try starting to expand to some bigger cities within Minnesota because they've had such uh, overwhelming success so far in the cities. Like Brookings has one. Yankton has one. Uh, Mitchell doesn't. So that's unfortunate. I don't think we need four grocery stores. Maybe you shut one of them and IP comes in. But yeah, that's unfortunate. So... Like, wearing a mask wasn't all that bad, but, and just looking at the polls here, like, I think this is going to be a rout. This presidential election, we're three months away. Yesterday was three months away. Bush in 88 was the last presidential candidate to get over 400 electoral votes. We thought that before. I'm not even going to... I know, but I think not only, like, is... Is Biden not just going to win? It's going to be like the biggest win in 30 years. I don't see how it can't be at this point. We're getting close. We're three months away. It's not so much pro Biden as it is just anti Trump. He needs like, to get a good VP, and if it if he's going with the one that I think he's that has been rumored, that would not be good. Who do you think he's going to pick? Kamala. Yes, I believe Kamala Harris will be the vice president, which I'm fine with. Um, but, but just looking at it, I, I mean, we've never lived, nobody's ever lived under these circumstances. I mean, this is ridiculous, everything that's gone wrong, and I'll never understand it. And I'll just continue to talk about it forever, why people continue to support this guy. It's, it's, it's a mental disease. I don't know how other way you could... <laughs> I don't, I don't know any way to describe it besides, all right, you support somebody, and then, all right, it's not very good. Maybe you don't like the other guy, but it has to get to a point where, like, enough is enough. Like, all right, like who tre- people shouldn't be treated like this, but they are. So we can talk about that for a long time at another time, but at this point, I'm all in on it. Just a complete trouncing. I'm looking at 400 electoral votes. You need 270 to win. I'm looking at 400. Maybe he'll get there. Maybe he'll get close. 
but he's already talking about the mail-in ballots. And just like last time, when he thought he was going to lose four years ago about it's a rigged, elect- a rigged election and everything like that, because you know he's going to lose, so he's setting up that a mess. And that why that's why he needs to lose by 10 million votes. He needs needs to lose a huge electoral college loss of two 250 votes. Needs to be massive and decisive. And I'm very much looking forward to that night. Um, I'm very excited about all the presidential elections when they happen. And that night should be should be very very exciting. I, I'm just not even gonna. I'm not gonna get my hopes up until it happens. A high V locations. Apparently, there's like six in Sioux Falls alone. That seems a little ridiculous. There's a lot in Sioux Falls. Whenever I'm there, I try to get there. There are plenty in Sioux Falls. There's, that I know. there's one in Yankton. There's one in Watertown. There's one in Vermilion. They got to the Verm, uh, and yes, then they have like six locations in Sioux Falls and one in Brookings. I thought they were in like Pier. I thought maybe Rapid City would have one. So they they're very regionalized, of course, like in Iowa, and they're big in Kansas and Missouri because Patrick Mahomes has his like Magic Mahomes Crunch or something like that. Uh, they're yeah, big in yeah, they're big, uh, big in Kansas City. Yep, they're big in Nebraska. Uh, so, I mean, definitely a Midwestern deal. I thought they had more, though, in, in South Dakota. I thought they had one in Mitchell. I thought they had one in Pier. Uh, I'm very surprised by what I have found. Uh, that, that, but, um, you know what? I guess you can be pleasant. You could be surprised from time to time. Now, I mean, if you look at Minnesota, Marshall has one. I mean, that's good. That Albert Lee, Austin, you know. Like the three in the cities, four in the cities, uh, they are heavily in the uh, southern Minnesota. The furthest one is in, I think it's, is that Blaine up there? Where is that? Uh, Brooklyn Park. Brooklyn Park, where we were uh, for the for the golf, uh, for the final four. Yeah. I think, yeah. That, I think that's Brooklyn Park. So, yeah, that's, uh, there you go. Fascinating. Also, uh, we got to mention Wilfred Brimley. Did he die? Passed away. So, he passed away. Oh no! So did you, hear, you didn't hear about this? I didn't. I thought he passed away a long time ago for whatever reason. No, no, no. Oh, Wilfred Brimley, the walrus, the, the diabetes, as we know him for the diabetes. I'm Wilfred Brimley. I have diabetes, and I'm talking to you right before I, you know, the showcase showdown on The Price Is Right. Every right, every yeah. day, every day he was on. And I think he's, he's probably been on Family Guy a few times. So I'm sure they've, I think I've seen him. Yes, yes. Who did I hit? And uh, Regis Holden died when I was on vacation. Was he probably 85 as well? 88. Well, 88. Everybody liked him. He was on, I think he said, I saw someone like he'd been on TV more than anybody had ever been on TV. Because he'd been on like in the 50s and he'd been on, he was on an hour a day for like 20, 30 years. So yeah. I saw somewhere. Regis had been on TV more than any other person. Well, Betty White's going to give him a run for his money at some point. Oh, and she's probably, what, 98 at this point? Yeah. So. 2020 20 cannot take her. Otherwise, I think the world will lose, will lose its collective mind. Lost a couple of old ones here this week. And they, 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 the death comes in threes. So, who's that third That's one? Right. Watch out. Regis Philbin, Wilfred Brimley, and America all died on the same week. How about that? <laughs> What are the chances? 
Pretty good, actually. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Yes. Yeah, well, great talking to you again. I'm glad you had fun on your vacation. Congratulations again on the win, and I know okay. we'll, be, uh, we'll be talking soon. All right, I'll see you next week. Travis Crins joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. So good stuff there. Um, yeah. A lot going on in sports. I mean, we have sports actually going on. NHL, NBA, baseball is trying to get through the coronavirus. We'll see what happens with college football and the NFL. We'll try and get Charlie Hildebrand on here uh, next or in a little bit here to talk about the college football season and what what, what we can expect because I tell you, it, it does not look good especially for college football. So we'll get to that next here. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. You can follow Travis Crins on Twitter, at Travis Crins. Uh, link to the podcast posted mail to later part of each week. But we'll talk more college football next. We'll talk some more hockey, if we can get Marcus on as well. Uh, yeah, there are sports to talk about. But will there be football in the fall? That's a big question. We'll talk about that next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, please be joined by my good friend and our college football uh, resident expert, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm good. It's, it's been a while since we've talked. I don't know how long it is. Time doesn't mean anything in <laughs> pandemic times. Uh, I think it's been about... like long. Long Three story weeks. short, yep. I, I saw someone, this was yesterday, so on Monday, which I think was, what, August 3rd? Yes. Uh, I saw someone tweet that the 2020, or the Rose Bowl from the 2020 season, uh, so the, just from like seven or eight yep. months ago. Yep, Wisconsin and Oregon. ESPN. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, but I just saw, they didn't say who was on, who or what teams played. And I didn't want to cheat and look it up. I just sit and think for like five minutes. Oh no! <laughs> almost any other time, if it was just like seven months after the Rose Bowl, like at the snap of a finger, I could name like, oh yeah, of course, it was these two teams that played. Yeah. It took me a long time to remember because in these seven or eight months, it's just been so chaotic and hectic that it just seems like, in a lot of ways, time has no meaning. Right, it feels like, like seven or eight months has been like five or six like years. Just started calling before everything shut down, uh-huh. and I get that some things are open again now. But before that happened in March, he's just started calling it the before time yeah. because it might not ever be the same again. I yeah, I mean, it just it feels like seven or eight months has been like seven or eight years, ten years. I mean, it just yeah, I it, mean, it, you could like I joked about this, and I only mean this partially kidding, but. Like, if someone was like, oh, yeah, that 2020 Rose Bowl, actually, that was in, you know, 1990 during Desert Storm. I'd be like, you know what? That must be right. Yeah. It feels like it was 30 years ago. And that, unfortunately, might be the only the college football game. Well, I mean, they could show classics, I suppose. Uh, but, Charlie, things... I don't know whether I'm supposed to feel optimistic about the college football season, given what the Power Five conferences are doing, or less optimistic... Because it doesn't seem like they're all on board with one another. And then we have the Pac-12 Players Coalition. Uh, That's where I want to start with you. I mean, these players are, you know, having demands. And I don't think... 
they're well within their rights to do so. Uh, and I think we perhaps think that maybe this was a long time coming or like it, that it was eventually going to happen. Um, and COVID was the, the tipping point, perhaps. But given all the demands that the Pac-12 players are going on, like medical after, you know, like for six years after their their playing career is done and um, like shared revenue, I think, what is it, like 2% or something like that. Uh, of course, stuff related to COVID and Black Lives Matter and everything. What do you make of everything? What are some of the things that really have stuck out to you about what the players are requesting and, I guess, the Pac-12's response, or as of right now, really lack thereof, because Larry Scott has not uh, taken a meeting with him yet, the commissioner of the Pac-12. And, and to be fair, it's, this is like recently. I, 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 I know it's recently, obviously, but I, I don't remember specifically what day the players like announced this or maybe even announced I think it was Saturday or Sunday I was thinking it was just within like the last two or three days right yeah Saturday or Sunday I think Saturday is when ESPN initially broke it and then we got we gained more information and insight on Sunday and to be fair to Larry Scott who I think we could safely say has not been like the greatest conference commissioner in the history of the world since he took over yep that's for a pretty short amount of time, and they're not going to just instantly be like, yes, let's have this meeting right away. They're going to, you know, discuss things amongst themselves and try to get ducks in order. But I don't remember huh, politics, but, you know, n- never let a good tragedy go wasted. And I think I'm not saying that this, I'm not saying this negatively about the players doing this, but it makes sense that now would be a time to capitalize. I don't think there's any chance in hell they're going to get all that they want. Right. They might get some things they want, which is good. And if they're smart, they're also asking for more than they actually want in other things, just in terms of bargaining. So, yes. you know, when you meet the middle ground, yep. you're actually closer to what you want in the first place. And I, it's getting, I mean, regardless of what happens, there's going to be ramifications, not just in the Pac-12, but other sports, because, I mean, if we get to the point that Pac-12 players are getting more stuff. I think it's safe to say that the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world aren't going to let their conferences say, well, hold on, we're losing all these guys as the Pac-12 because they're getting this. Yeah. And there's going to be domino effects from it. I, 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 I don't know how long it's going to take to get that stuff figured out. I mean, it's going to depend on a lot of stuff. Maybe not having a season would make it go faster. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. We're in such uncharted territory here that there's just a lot of you know question marks going on absolutely um yeah i i mean and you're right they're they're probably shooting for the moon uh and shooting for more than what they uh, really 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 want at this point just to like what they're doing it's possible that what they're wanting is the exactly what they want then they just the way negotiations anything like this mark Rarely does either side get everything they want. But if they're smart, and in theory, they probably have some smart people behind this. You know, they're in, in college, and you're supposed to be of a certain level of intelligence to be able to get into college. But So I'm sure that there, there's, you know, some negotiation things going on. Well, because then they're talking about, like, what this does for Power 5 conferences in general. I mean... Th- Regarding, you know, like maybe they start separating themselves from the NCAA and form their own deal. And I think, and 
by the way that would sound, it would just be for football because football is such a powerful entity and such a moneymaker for all these schools. Because the NCAA governing board's looking at like canceling or postponing championship seasons and stuff, and, and these schools are like, no, 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 we we don't want that. But as it specifically relates to the to the Pac-12 and everything, I mean, the Pac-12 would not be the conference that I guess I would have thought would have done this first. But I think it's fair to say that. A lot, you know, these schools reside in states that, for the most part, are very liberal thinking, liberal minded, uh, like Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington uh, State, in, Cal. In general, I would yeah. not all of them. No, but, not all. Yeah, but, yeah. And I wouldn't say they're all very liberal, but they're, they're more they're more democratic than some states, especially in the Big Twelve or the SEC. Yes, are. yes. I mean, I don't know if I would say Arizona or Utah. No, no. Are overly. Blue. But, but in general, I mean, in, in the shades of red, purple, and, and blue, they are generally more blue states. Yes. Yep. I'm just wondering. I, I, I guess I just, I don't know how to take this. So I, I really am kind of leaning, like, and I don't know how much you've thought about it or not. But, I mean, certainly this is this is a big moment. How the Pac-12 handles this will not only affect how other conferences handle it, should the first should a players coalition from those conferences want to join in as well but i mean they also have to factor in here too you know if they don't if the athletic directors in the schools and stuff that if they don't do something adhere to what the players want at least in some capacity on most of their demands there won't be a football season in the Pac-12 and that could have, that'll have huge financial ramifications for other not for not only not just other uh, sports within the conference, but the schools in general as well. It's true. One thing you said earlier that I want to just make sure to touch on that if the NCAA wants to postpone championships, they can, and because the NCAA controls the championships in every sport except football. So if they postpone things to the spring, they could because they own you know the. March Madness, NCAA men's and women's tournaments, and that stuff. Yep. But the NCAA doesn't own anything in football, and that's why bowls and polls and things like that have been so important over the years because it's not the NCAA that runs it. Gotcha. And this would be something they could say, like, we want to postpone to spring, but literally don't have the power to do it. I gotcha. Mean, thank you for that. Thank you for that point of clarification. To do it, yep. Yep. Thank you for that point of clarification. And then uh, the other thing I was gonna. No, not for, there's another point that I what you said more recently when we were talking about the uh, the teams and uh, specifically okay, no, sorry, I, I remember what it was now the other thing in, in the uh, oh, not all, but a lot of the Pac-12 states compared to especially the Big 12 Big 10, SEC and ACC states, the powers that be not in terms of the athletics or the, or maybe even the colleges necessarily, but some of that. But a lot of people there just don't care. I mean, the governor of California isn't going to care. Or, I don't know who the governor of California is. But uh, Gavin, Gavin Newsom. He doesn't care if USC and UCLA play nearly as much as the Alabama governor cares if Auburn and Alabama play. Yep. And then you start getting to the schools themselves. I don't know who the president of Ohio State is. 
Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I, I heard his name during the Urban Meyer song when people is were it like trying Gee? to figure out if he was going to get fired or not. I, I feel I like the last name is Gee. Is it Gee? It might be. But, but anyway, it doesn't even have to be Ohio State. But, but any school like that, the president is going to much more so care. Like, hey, not only do we want this for all the normal reasons, but we want to see if we can win a conference title and play for the national title. Where at Oregon State, they probably, you know, the president probably wants him to play for financial reasons, but maybe doesn't even remotely care about football, or at least not to the same extent that, you know, someone at Clemson or Texas would. And, and, and neither one's necessarily good or bad. It's just the differences in different states and regions of the United States. Right. Uh, let's see. Here, uh, it is Christina Johnson. Uh, she will be the 16th president of Ohio State beginning on August 24th. Um, so, the, was it Gordon Gee was the other guy before, maybe? Uh, I, I thought so. That This has, like, a Dr. Kevin Drake, I think. Let me, let me get this back here. I don't know if this is fully accurate, because I thought it was Gee. Uh, for sure, is that Dr. Michael V. Drake is the Ohio State University president. That's what it says. The other thing, too, that we could easily be getting wrong is, you know, all these schools have people like that, but sometimes it's the president that's in charge. Sometimes the title of the person in charge is the chancellor or other things like that, and, you know, it just gets different at different places. Yep. Uh, so the Pac-12, they're doing that, and they have just said that they're going to do a conference-only schedule. I believe what it's. It, are they doing eleven or is it ten? I don't remember at this point. There, there have been so many different ones, and they're changing it all the time. I don't specifically remember. Yeah. The, the last I remember seeing, just for any conference, was that the Big Twelve was going to play a ten-game season. Yep, nine. I don't conf- remember if that was just nine conference games. Yes. Whoever else you want to play. Yeah, or if it, it was nine conference games and you're just going to play another conference opponent a yeah. second time. No, it would be non-conference games for the Big 12 and a, and one non-conference. Same with the, the, the ACC's doing a 10-game conference schedule and one non-conference game. The SEC and the ACC, the reason why I think all these, these conferences aren't in the same boat is A, I mean, it depends on what part of the country you're living in and what you're seeing in terms of the coronavirus and what the numbers are looking like. Uh, but also, I mean, ACC specifically added that one non-conference game uh, to for the schools that have the big rivalry with their SEC counterparts. Clemson with South yeah, Carolina. all those with, SEC East schools. Exactly. Clemson with South Carolina. Georgia Tech with, with Georgia. Um, uh, Louisville with Kentucky. And not always at the end of the year, but Florida and Florida State. Yes, yes. Yep, thank you. That was the other one I was forgetting. And then then the SEC says, no, we're just going to do a 10-game conference schedule. So it's yeah, the Big Ten's doing a conference-only conference schedule, but it sounds like they might not even do football. So it's like no one can get on the same page, which is very frustrating. I would say that the ACC did a great job in adding Notre Dame. I think that makes a lot of sense given that they are ACC in every other sport but football. Um, and so I think, you know, this could work out. And you know what? It might help, you know, for some schools in the Missouri Valley 
like South Dakota State and North Dakota State who have lost big games uh, to um, like SDSU was going to play Nebraska, North Dakota State was going to play Oregon. Those games have been canceled. With these non-conference games now that are opening up in the Big 12 and the ACC, maybe you have that opportunity to play one of these teams or a Mac school or you know Sunbelt if you wanted to because they'll have had uh, games canceled as well. So there's opportunity for the schedules from at the I guess at more at the FCS level to to open itself up to some options here, which is good. But it just seems like college football in general can't get on the same page. And I think that while yes, it's great that the conferences are putting together their schedules and their plans for the year, if they still can't get on, if they're not all like uniform, and if they're struggling to to say, well, this is what's important to us, and this is, uh, and just. Like I said, get on the same page. I don't think that bodes well for the season. I don't disagree with what you're saying, and but and this is something we've been, you know, I mean, and I don't mean just you and me specifically, but people have been arguing about for for decades that you know even when there are pandemics, that some teams play nine conference games and some play eight conference games yeah. and some play FCS opponents the second to the last week of the season and some say we don't want to play any period and you know those things are much more so problematic now when there's you know real issues to deal with and determine as opposed to when it's just regular you know complaining about sports stuff right right um so yeah you know i mean if there was like a commissioner of college football that would fix some problems but it would also create a lot of problems because you know, whatever they say, they're going to be influenced by, you know, where they're from. And even if, you know, it's someone from, let's say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something. Like, let's say it's Mike Bellotti from Oregon becomes the, you know, czar of college football. And he picks something that is objectively the right reason to do. But if it doesn't bode well for the Big Ten or the SEC... They're just going to freak out and be like, well, of course, you you want to screw the Big Ten over. You you Pac-10, Pac-12, Rose Bowl, love person. Of course you want to <laughs> initiate stuff like that. And, and yep. you know, I mean, that's like with anything in life, though, I suppose. I mean, it's that way with politics with everything, you know, in the real world and things like that. You know, just like regardless of what anyone does, someone's always going to be upset. Mm-hmm. The rule of the Internet and life in 2020. Yeah. No, that, that that's a great point. Um. You know, I mentioned that the Big Ten might not do anything. They've kind of, I think they've postponed their their media day. Like, I don't understand why the Big Ten would cancel the season if everyone else is going to. It seems like that's uh, that you're they're, you're missing something there. There there's something else going behind on behind the scenes that um, that that's I I don't know. Uh, I guess it's a uh, Rutgers. Uh, leads to 28 cases, uh, positive cases for Rutgers players, leads to delay in the release of the Big Ten schedule. So and maybe that maybe that bodes well for the the Big Ten actually. It indicates that they're going to have a season and they're going to have a schedule be released at some point. But, I mean, the other thing, too, is kids will be kids. We remember what it was like in college and going to parties and stuff. But... If you want to play college football, and for some of these guys at Rutgers, you know, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt if you were playing at, say, Alabama or Ohio State uh, or LSU. 
you need a college football season to showcase your talents and do enough where you could get drafted. Why would you put yourself in the position where you're going to a house party and COVID-19 regulations aren't being um, well-maintained, you know, social distancing and all that? Why would you put yourself in that position? That's a good question, Stackin. I will answer with another question. Drinking alcohol if you're under 21 is illegal, and you can literally go to jail for doing it, and yet people in high school and college constantly do it regardless of if there's a pandemic or not. You're right. It is literally against the law to do it if you're not 21, and it barely does. I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't stop anyone. It stops a lot of people, which is good, but there's also a lot of people it doesn't stop. Yep. You're very, you're very right with that. I just remember seeing something on Twitter within the last week or two. Is it was it was a tweet from either someone talking about the University of Texas or from the University of Texas itself that basically was saying what you were saying. Like it's important that if and I don't even know if it was just sports or the college in general, but like whatever. When you come back, it's so important that you don't go to parties and you can't party. And I was just like. College kids aren't going to listen to that. No, I mean, even like yep. for two or three weeks into the pandemic, there were kids that were going to spring break in Florida. Yeah, yep. And, and you, it's just that's just that's just how that's how people are wired at sixteen to twenty-two. Yep, you're absolutely right. Part of that is being selfish, but part of that is also being a kid and being in your youth and stuff. And you know, I, I think it's different. We're seeing all these outbreaks in Major League Baseball. Uh, I think I heard that there's a rumor that the car, some of the Cardinals' uh, positive tests have been linked to them maybe going to a casino in Minnesota last week. Um, now, whether that's true or not, whether they actually went to the casino, I don't know. That's just been a rumor that has been floated out as a possible, as a potential location as to where these players may have contracted the, or may have tested positive or gotten, you know. COVID. Uh, and for and I was talking with Krenz about this, and I said, you know, that, that just seems ridiculous why you would do that, you know, in a shortened season, and you've been, you know, holding out for so long, and you say, oh, we need all this money, and then you go and do something stupid like that. On the college side, yes, you know, if you, you know, we want these college football games to be played, so you need to do whatever you can in order to make sure that that happens. But the college football players aren't getting paid. You know, they're they're having to sacrifice a lot here. No, and more so than normal. Um, you know, because they aren't getting paid, and now you have to worry about your health and safety playing a game in in the middle of a, a you know pandemic with the coronavirus. So I do understand that point that it's very hard to ask these players to sacrifice when you aren't giving anything in return. And maybe that's in part what the Pac-12 Players Coalition is looking at. They want to be taken care of, especially when you're playing in a pandemic. I I, I see both sides. I, I think I understand, I understand why the college students are doing this. They're young. They, they like to party. That's fine. But you also have to look at the larger scale of things here. And if you want to play football, you have to sacrifice some things in the short term for the long term gain. That's true. I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. It's incredibly hard to tell 19 year olds, especially like yes. 19 year old alpha males playing football, that not only can they not party, but they can't, you know, 
you can't go chase tail on Saturday right. either. Yes. It's not impossible. It is incredibly difficult, though. Yes. And I, I think basically just outside of an NBA bubble situation, which I don't know how you could do. I mean, I suppose you could do that for a conference. I mean, but, you know, again, I that would affect... I mean, I, you know, I suppose they could make a bubble in Chicago and have all the players do classes online, and just. But I think outside of that, it, it's just it's just the way. I mean, even the NBA, they're getting paid incredibly well. Yes. And I forget which player it was, but that the one guy, the, you know, allegedly left and went to a strip club. Lou Williams. Just because you know, I mean, we let's not even put it to like extremes of that. I mean, we remember in the first you know month or two of this. I'm sure this happened to you at some point in time. Or you worked from home, so you were even probably had more cabin fever than I did. You know, I don't have to walk far to get to work. Right. You know, just like a block, but still have to leave my apartment. But I mean, there were days that I would get be done with work and just be like, the last thing I want to do is go back to my apartment. I'm not even. <laughs> going to go inside anywhere. I just want to get in my car and go drive somewhere and see something different. Yeah. No, it, and I think that I think you're absolutely right and the fact that you're asking college students to do this when they aren't getting paid. Yes, you get the scholarship and I and the scholarship is wonderful because uh, it, it's paying for your education. But they're sacrificing so much and they aren't getting any of the revenue that the billions of dollars in revenue that college football makes so i think that's and i i completely understand their point it's like hey if we were getting some like some money out of this then it it's far more of an incentive for us to do that than to say hey don't live out your college life i mean you know what i mean i i think you're absolutely right that money does play a factor in this the, the other thing, too, and, and obviously this is not, you know, an out-on-a-limb observation. This is very obvious, but I think at times that we just forget how it's so contagious and it's just such a pass-fail thing that, you know, with a football team with 85 scholarship players, and let's assume that, you know, five kids with scholarships get kicked off at the league and there's no walk-ons on a team. Which I don't know if that describes any Division One football or FBS football team, but for the sake of argument, let's say that there are just eighty players total, which is probably nobody. But you can have seventy-eight kids doing everything right and following the rules, and it just takes one or two to, to one time do something they shouldn't, that then infects all of these other people's and just screws everything up. Then, and that's the real problem. I mean, it's like. You know, if you don't want ants in your house and you spill sugar in 14 different rooms and you clean all of the rooms, but one of them, you don't quite get all of it. And then all of a sudden you got ants everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that analogy. It's just, oh boy. I, I don't know where we're going with this. I'll have you on again when either A, we have more college football news, um, and there, there no doubt will be Did news. Did you see the news from today specifically about Colorado State? Uh, no, I didn't. Let me see if I can get that pulled up here. Uh, I can, Well, I can tell you while you're also looking it up. Well, I think I think Steve Adazio is the head coach of Colorado State now. But players and staff members, and I don't know if staff members as coaches or medical personnel or who, but are alleging that they're like, hey, if you test positive – just lie about it and don't tell anyone and continue to practice anyways. And if you don't, 
we won't play you and you're going to get in trouble for not doing what we want to do, which seems incredibly problematic. Yeah. Why would you lie about that? And then I, I saw, like, what, the Washington State coach told one of his wide receivers that he shouldn't be part of this group, that it could cause problems. What's up with the Pac-12? The Pac- I forgot about like, that. I, I saw that, but too. forgot about that. And, and that's not good. But the, the Colorado State thing seems ten times oh, yes. worse. Oh, way. absolutely. It's just like, oh yeah, you tested positive for that. But you know what? Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. It's Pass- just like, just, that's not good. Pass- I mean, even if you're a, and I'm not saying anyone should be this, but even if you're a, this isn't that bad, you know, if you get it, you'll probably be fine, which you shouldn't think that. But even if you do, it's like, maybe we shouldn't actively be going out of our way to spread this more. That seems like a bad idea. Right, absolutely. Boy, that is... So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's something that, that like, he could get fired for this week or not. I mean, I don't know enough. So, I mean, you can, I mean, you can fire anyone whatever you want, I suppose. I mean, more like fire for cause, so they don't have to pay a buyout money. Right. I, don't, I don't know any of those details. How about, you, how about you just be smart with your comments and be a little sympathetic? It's just, you aren't putting your bodies on the line. I, I, I tell you, Pac-12 Mountain West, crazy, crazy things going on out there. Uh, well, no doubt more news will break here, and uh, when it does, I'll have you back on if you are okay with that, and... Hopefully, uh, by September, we know, uh, you know, maybe maybe cases start to drop a little bit, and maybe we know for sure that we're going to have a college football season, and we'll be able to preview some of these conferences and where, where things go, because it's certainly going to be a different year. One last thing real quick. Yeah. I don't know if anyone really cares about this that's listening, but two of the colleges, and or the only two colleges in our coverage area that play sports at the Northwest Iowa Review. Mm-hmm. Uh, Northwestern College in Orange City and Dort University in uh, Sioux Center are both in the Great Plains Athletic Conference, or the GPAC for the NAIA, um, where uh, Morningside is, who is the reigning NAIA national champions in football. Yep. Morningside out of Sioux City, which shout out because I used to live in Sioux City. Mm-hmm. But the NAIA has moved, or last week on Tuesday, they moved every championship or every fall playoff slash championship, except football to the spring. And then on Friday, they also moved the NAIA football playoffs and championship to the spring, but gave the conferences autonomy to play whenever they want. And the GPAC basically was like, yep, we're still going to play in the fall. So I don't know if it'll work out that way. I mean, there's a lot of time between now. I think the first game the NAIA schools could play is like the 12th of September, so I don't know if, that, if those will end up getting played or not. But as of now, there's at least a smaller NAIA conference, at least one, that is planning on playing sports this fall. But like I said, there's a lot of time between now and then, and everything could change six times in eight different directions. Yeah, and it seems like some of these smaller conferences are in the minority when they say they're going to proceed with a football season. One last thing I need to ask you, and I meant to ask you this the last time you were on, because Crins uh, uh, shed some light on this or gave me a heads up, that uh, you are you were watching some videos and then posting reviews on Twitter or something like this. Is that correct? That's right. I yeah. Uh, so me and a guy from work, 
uh, Ty Rushing, who's the managing editor of the Northwest Iowa Review. Uh, I don't remember at what point this was. This was in May, I think. It was it was around the time the last dance was ending. I don't remember whose idea it was, but we basically decided that each Saturday we're going to have Action Movie Saturday where we watch an action movie from the 80s or 90s and just live tweet it. Sometimes it's been ones that both of us have seen before. Sometimes only one of us have seen it. Sometimes neither of us have, but are going back, and that is what we uh, do. Sometimes it's been on Sunday, but that's usually been because I've had a sporting event to cover on Saturday, and there aren't any of those, at least for the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, so we, uh, Ty Russian and I on Twitter, and, and if anyone follows us but doesn't want to see our tweets, we always come up with a hashtag, so you can mute the hashtag for the day, and then you won't see any of our uh, tweets about, I'm trying to think of movies we've done recently, like RoboCop or Predator <laughs> or Point Break. Uh, we did The Rock. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, I don't know what we're doing this week. We'll come up with something now. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm glad you're, uh, you're getting some uh, good use out of that. It's a great way to, to spend a little bit of time and... It, a little bit of fun during yeah, nice these. Nice forget about what's going on in the real world. Yes, yes, yeah. So you can forget about that for a few minutes and something fun to do during these pandemic times. Well, Charlie, I, I always appreciate the time, my friend, and we'll be chatting soon, I'm sure, because, uh, like I say, news will be breaking, and I'm sure there will be new uh, stuff coming out of each conference and multiple decisions, and hopefully we'll be talking next about a uh, college football season that is truly happening and on par and on schedule to kick off but at this point yeah, hopefully good news yeah at this point it's uh definitely remains up in the air yeah all right thank you my friend i'll talk to you soon yep as always it's a pleasure i uh we'll talk to you later stack it sounds good thank you charlie charlie hildebrand here uh joining us in t- it's kind of a bleak picture for for college football, but I mean that speaks, I guess, in the larger part to the NFL as well. So, what happens? You don't know. Uh, we'll finish up with some hockey talk here. Try to get Marcus Traxler on from the Mitchell Daily Republic, and if not, we'll just kind of finalize, recap what's been going on in the qualifying round. Hockey's been good, and we have a. Wall-to-wall action, morning to mis- late morning to midnight and beyond. It's great. Great stuff. We'll talk about that next here and wrap things up on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We're going to finish up here on the Sports Block Podcast here this week by talking some hockey in the hockey qualifying round with my good friend Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stackin. How are you? Good, good. Uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, your birthday was on Sunday. The Wild got a win for you. That was very nice of yeah, them. thank you. Uh, it's going to be the only time, I think, perhaps in your life that you can say that the Wild won on your birthday. I feel pretty confident in saying that unless we just have the, uh, another, you know, next season's just uh, delayed as well, which I guess we can't rule out. But I think, I think we're pretty safe in, in your assumption there. Uh, how much of the qualifying rounds have you watched? I've watched more than I thought I would, uh, but because the, the hockey has been very good, uh, they the intensity's been there. It feels like playoff hockey. 
Yeah, and I guess I just saw a discussion about this on Twitter, so I'm curious uh, your perspective. You know, why do you think you're watching it? I, I think for me, I think I'm watching it, and more so than the NBA. I haven't watched much of the NBA at all, maybe mm-hmm. parts of like three or four games at most. And uh, I, I'm watching more of the NHL, I think, because it's on almost all day. Yep. I know basically where it's going to be uh, every single night. Yep. It's one or, one or two channels. Um, and, uh, you know, there are different compelling aspects to it. I like the fact that it's only a five-game series. It feels like the games um, mean a little bit more. Yep. Um, and, uh, obviously, I've got a rooting interest in, in one of the teams from watching their, their games specifically. But I come home for lunch, I'm watching. There's, there's a game on. come home from work, there's another game on. And uh, all kind of a various uh, levels and, and importance given the round robin. But those are the reasons I guess I've, I've found myself to it again. I would agree with you wholeheartedly, I think, in all of your reasons. Um, I mean, the NBA is still doing their regular season. And so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Come postseason, I'll probably watch a little bit more. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, I would tend to say that. I guess I can only speak for me, but I would guess for you. Work. I tend to be more of a hockey fan than a basketball fan, though I love college basketball. So I mean, that kind of evens out. But I'm far more intrigued by the hockey playoffs every year than I am basketball playoffs. I just am. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm more a basketball fan just because I, I played that. I always liked the sport. I agree. I'm a college basketball fan more than an NBA fan. But, um, you know, having the while and having, uh, you know, being from Minnesota, you, you're sort of indoctrinated into the hockey no matter what. Yep. And, uh, you know, these have been highly entertaining, entertaining playoffs for a lot of different reasons. We've had, you know, uh, I wouldn't say we've had any upsets yet, but we've had games that, that have gone in in interesting ways we've had um frankly we've had injuries that have made series a lot more interesting we've had yep. um you know goals you know key key scoring uh plays decisions like that and i just think the, the sheer uh size of it the fact that they've had basically six games every day you know just sort of wall to wall uh the march madness that we didn't get in march yep. um is is a big factor that helps yeah and yeah you're right they're, they're starting at 11 a.m central time and they're going past midnight uh local for us they're playing th- roughly three games in a day in both toronto and edmonton and of course that will go down once the qualifying rounds are done and the playoffs actually begin one would imagine that they would probably yeah. do two and two um, for at least most of the quarter finals. Uh, it it's been very compelling hockey. Uh, I, last week, I guess I wasn't understanding the round robin aspect of this. I thought that they were factoring in the points with where teams stood at the end of the season when the regular season had stopped. And that was going to factor in. But it sounds like they're just doing it. Whoever has the most point totals out of the three games that they play, that's who gets the one seed, which makes it all that more kind of unfathomable that the Boston Bruins are playing as bad as they have. I mean, they haven't gotten a point through two games yet. Yeah, and they were the ones with the biggest advantage of the eight teams playing in that in that round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a crap ton of points. I'm looking at the standings here. They, they had points in regular season games, 71% of their games or the points possible they had. Um, nobody else was anywhere near that. So a uh, huge missed opportunity for Boston. Uh, they were far and away the best team. Uh, President's Cup, uh, uh, President's Trophy winner in the regular season. This will be the first time you've ever had the President's Trophy winner not giving them one seat. They could be right. three. They probably will be four the way it's going. So, yep. um, it can be- yeah, it makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, you know, again, if we're drawing the comparisons of the NBA where 
they're sort of tacking these games on uh, to the standings that they have now. Um, it is surprising that the NHL didn't do that. And, um, you know, at least have, I, I thought, yeah, I agree. I thought that they would just add these three games or four games or however many you think you need to play on for those four teams and see where, they, where they're at. That way the Bruins wouldn't have lost such a huge advantage that they had when the season was, was over. They would have had the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference, so these games would have essentially been more like exhibition, but you're fine-tuning right. things, you're getting the rust off and stuff. But there would have been movement in the, the seeds two through four because Philadelphia uh, was three points back at Tampa Bay. Washington was only two points back. So yeah. there would have been movement there in the, um, in the Western Conference. You would have had, it was, I guess, essentially a battle uh, for the number one seed between St. Louis and Colorado, but who's to say that Vegas wouldn't have won three straight and Colorado lost three? I mean, they could have been the two seed. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think that the NHL is doing Boston somewhat of a disservice. Can we just maybe take a moment of silence, say a prayer for Boston <laughs> sports fans, because it's been so such a rough uh, last year for them. And now that the Bruins are kind of struggling along with the Red Sox, I mean, all hopes are on the Celtics. So I guess congratulations to the New England Cannons for uh, winning Major League Lacrosse championship the other week. <laughs> well, and, and no Tom Brady, no Gronk. Yep. Uh, all their players are opting out in the NFL. So, uh, it's all yeah, for I'm Trevor not, Lawrence. All for Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's been an interesting aspect of it on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, we're recording this podcast here, and as of now, there's only been one team that's been eliminated, and that's the New York Rangers. I don't think that was a surprise, but I think I had I think I had them pushing five games with the Hurricanes. But the Hurricanes looked very very good. What did you? What is your biggest takeaway from the Eastern Conference qualifying round thus far? Um, I think that's that's one of the main things is just how how quickly um, the Rangers kind of got dusted. Uh, we knew the Hurricanes were good, um, and you know the first game was close three to two, but then the second. Uh, second game, third game, they're each four to one, and uh, you know um, we talked sort of about the goaltending issues that that New York had had in advance, and those things show up when you give up ten goals in three games. That's a good, or excuse me, eleven goals in three games. Uh, that's a good way to make sure that you're you're going to be done early. So um, yeah, Carolina's dangerous going forward. I mean, a lot of young talent, a lot of good players. Um, Sebastian Ajo, kind of one of the, the young stars that they have. So mm-hmm. uh, they'll be an exciting team to watch here going forward and um, see where they end up. And kind of they're building off of their surprise run in the playoffs last year when they made it to the conference finals. I believe they ultimately got swept or lost in five games. But, I mean, they, they were a very surprising team uh to make it there last year, uh, the Islanders look really good. Yes, they lost to Florida on Wednesday, three to two, but they're still up two games to one. It feels like if they get a lead, they play such good defense that they are going to be a tough out should they get by Florida for whoever they play in the quarterfinals. Yeah, that one feels uh, you know two one feels like the the right outcome so far. I agree with you that uh, the Islanders are probably the more likely team, but I wouldn't be surprised if this gets. You know, ground down to a five, uh, a game five, um, because that kind of feels right for these two teams. And um, the Islanders, I, I think overall, I'm just kind of impressed at how they've kind of steadied the ship, uh, given that they had their star player, you know, uh, John Tavares leave a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and had the 
and then Rugg kind of pulled some of them. I mean, they, they obviously knew that that was a possibility, but um, they just sort of weren't able to regroup, regroup. And so the fact that they're obviously the seventh seed, I wouldn't I wouldn't call them as uh, Stanley Cup contenders, but no. um, they're in a, they're they're in the playoffs or one. So. And the Penguins look like they've kind of steadied the ship after that game one loss to Montreal. They're up right now in game three. It is three to two, though. The Canadians did um, get it back to within one after Pittsburgh scored three unanswered goals. Would imagine that Pittsburgh's winning. I do like how the NHL is going to go back to reseeding the playoffs after or each round after each round is concluded in the playoffs. Get it back to what it was normal before the divisions. We talked about this last week, but it just it. It warms my heart to know that they're going back to that, so you get more of those uh, matchups that that we should get. the The highest seeded team should be playing the lowest seeded team, and and so on. So I'm glad that we are going to get that. It is going to be kind of weird to see, you know, if there's any 10 or 11 seeds, but at least they're doing that. So I do like. Uh, you know, this is perfectly on brand for the NHL, but I did have to go look up to make sure. Okay, well, what is the playoff format after we get past this? Because um, obviously, they've had the divisions for the last few years, and they've gotten used to that. And that's been fine, I guess, as, as a fan of a central division team. I wouldn't say it's always worked out super well, but um, you know, then we then we go to this format. And I'm like, well, are we, are we rewarding an upset if Montreal does win this series? You know, when they basically take out the strongest team, I would say that's playing in this round, Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, you know, you could make the argument well, they should play the four seed. You know, if if you were to slot them in, you know, wherever you you think they'd be so um but i generally i agree with you i don't think it's a problem to have um have them receive you know montreal if they do somehow get out of this series and, and advance uh should, they're still the weakest team they should be playing the number one team but you know considering the the draft lottery and uh the the top four round robin thing i'm like i better double check to make sure what the format is on <laughs> In the, in the second round, the first round of the actual Stanley Cup playoffs. Exactly. It's going to kind of feel like, you know, after this qualifying round, kind of like what the NCAA tournament had when they did the the first round games in Dayton, and then they called the the real, like, the real beginning to the tournament the second round, and then people are like, yeah, yeah. That, that's stupid. Let's, let's not do that here. We'll actually get into the quarterfinals or the first round of the playoffs. I'm not trying to confuse anybody second, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, the NHL has done a very good job of that, though, yeah, as evident yeah. by the fact that I thought, I think we thought last week that the round robin was tied to the regular season standings and not just starting over from scratch. So, well, the, the regular season's over. Yeah, uh, these this is the postseason, the postseason stats, but these aren't the playoffs yet. You know, it's just like, come on, guys. So, yeah, it's like every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. Well, that's uh, pretty much right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, on the Western Conference side, we'll get to the Wild in a moment. I'd say probably the most surprising thing is Arizona uh, kind of taking care of Nashville right now. They're up 2-1 in that series. I knew Nashville, like I didn't think Nashville was a strong team, but I thought they were better than Arizona. I think you had picked Arizona last week, if I remember correctly. I'm just a little surprised with how kind of lopsided this series has been as lopsided as a series can be through three games and at 2-1, I mean, Nashville played really well in game two, but games one and three, Arizona's dominant. They, they've taken advantage of the scoring opportunities despite getting outshot. Yeah, and uh, ex-wild goaltender Darcy Kecker's been great at mm-hmm. 40 saves and 
in game 139 saves in uh, game three to uh, to sort of power Arizona to the to the the two one lead. It's interesting with with uh, Nashville. We mentioned last week that Pecorone has not been as good as he's been previously. Uh, they've they've changed goaltenders in this series, so he's not been uh, in the net uh, in, its, in its entirety. Um, I think uh, what's interesting is that. You know, it's not very long ago, you know, in the, the history of uh, our, our meeting on this podcast, you know, it wasn't long ago that Nashville was in the Stanley Cup final, and we talked about well, what kind of team they had, and they've gotten a little older, and there isn't a ton of young talent that's coming behind them since, since then, and the core has been, you know, changed a little bit, so um, that makes a huge difference, you know, it, it, every, it seems like the NHL, you can see it in a lot of cases, there's there's a few outliers where, you know, Pittsburgh and and Washington are maybe you know veteran teams that aren't uh, aren't getting too much younger in the wild or haven't gotten a ton younger. They've tried, but uh, the good teams are all young. Colorado's young, mm-hmm. um, you know. Dallas is young. Uh, go down the list. St. Louis has a pretty good mix of young players and old, older players. Vancouver um, does. Vancouver's young. You know. Uh, you know. Go down the list on the eastern side. There's plenty of teams in, in that regard too. I don't think Nashville's really in that category where they have a mixture. They have. You know, young talent that's coming through. So it's just like, well, you're kind of rolling out. It's the same guys. It's uh, it's a position the Wild have been in previously. So um, it is interesting to see where they're at. I, the one thing I would have said about Arizona is the whole GM thing last week was pretty weird. Yep. Two weeks ago. So the fact that they've kind of gotten things together and they're they're probably going to uh, get out of this series, provided they find one more win, is uh, is surprising. It is very much so. Uh... And you, you know the Suns are doing fairly well in the Orlando bubble, so maybe it's just you know the, the Phoenix teams just needed to play in a bubble, and that's that's what it did. That's all that it required. I would be remiss if I didn't mention on the Eastern Conference side. I forgot about the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets won Game One. Maple Leafs won Game Two. I I'm still thinking that Toronto wins this series fairly easily. I just think Columbus is a little overmatched. Are you in agreement there? I mean, I think it's an evenly matched series. Um, I think Toronto is the better team, and it's just a matter of if they get it get it done. And uh, I'd agree with you. I think they, I think Toronto will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if this goes five games because uh, in recent playoff history, Toronto has a habit of stretching these series out to the maximum. The oh, look at that! Montreal has tied this game up uh, with Pittsburgh at three three. So just when you think Pittsburgh has found their uh, groove. Uh, no, Stella, they have not. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, game one was the one Montreal won in that series, and they just sort of ground it down and then won it in overtime. Um, this game, there's six six goals already, and they're, they're just getting to the end of the second period. Um, so Montreal's found a way to sort of battle in a lot of different fashions. I, I still have a hard time believing that Montreal's going to win this series, but mm-hmm. uh, they're doing the things that are at least going to give them a shot and a prayer of, of potentially pulling this out. And what do we also what do we always say is the key factor for a team to pull off an upset in uh, the playoffs and advance? You know, what did the Kings do when they were the eight seed? Who was their goaltender? Jonathan Quick. You need a great goaltender. Yep. Carey Price is that for. Montreal. So, I mean, yes, he's given up three goals, but he will be the reason why they have a chance to win because the Penguins just throw so many weapons at you uh, between Crosby and Malkin and Getzel and, oh, yeah, uh, Jason Zucker. 
who yeah. was acquired by the Wild. He has a power play goal here in Game 3. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think if Montreal wins, you're going to have to look at Carey Price as being the reason why, or certainly among the, the reasons why. If, if there's to be any playoff run at all for Montreal, I mean, he's, he's got to be a part of it. There's no, no way around it. Sticking with the Western Conference, uh, Flames and Jets, kind of, another kind of wild back-and-forth series. There's the, uh, what what did the, the Kachuk guy do for the Flames? He kind of slashed a, a jet or yeah, whatnot should, in game should, one. Uh, Mark, Mark Scheifele, yeah, yeah. To me, it, it kind of set the whole tone of the series. I mean, that was like five, maybe ten minutes into the, into the series. Um I don't think anybody said what kind of injury, but it sure looked like an Achilles type thing to where he just kind of, uh, yeah, it didn't seem like it was on purpose, but um, Winnipeg took it that way and, and felt like it was a dirty play. And so uh, that's taken what was already kind of a, a wiry series between those two teams, you know, sort of natural Canadian rivals, and ramped it up a little bit. So um, Winnipeg's a different team without Shifley. And, uh, it, it's it's going to be a problem for. I, I think they're hard pressed to win uh, if they don't have him. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where things stand so far. And Kachuk is kind of known for being one of those players that uh, tends to get himself into into trouble on the ice a little bit. Whenever so. I hear Kachuk, I just think of Keith Kachuk with the Blues back in the day. It's his kid. It's <laughs> yeah, his kid. So, yeah. Uh, you just associate him with one there. So. Yeah, I, Patrick Liney, the other guy I was trying to think of, he's also been banged up. Uh, but for now, they're leaving the door open that those guys will return for game four, hard to say. Um, and they also had the uh, the bloodiest storyline of the uh, postseason so far. Tucker Pullman, the former North Dakota player, take, took a slap shot to the jaw and he was bleeding all over the ice. So <laughs> that's uh, that's been pretty ugly. So it has been a, an injury-laden series for Winnipeg so far. And he only missed one shift. No, I don't well, know. I know. Well, <laughs> of course, yeah. Because uh, he's a hockey player, you just you know, you just had to get to some stitches in there, and, and he was good to go. No, that that's a that's a far more serious injury. I know that the the Muzzin for Toronto, he suffered a pretty nasty injury uh, in Game Two against Columbus, hitting a, a Blue Jackets knee, a player's knee. So I think he's in the concussion protocol. He was in a hospital. Um, I haven't heard an update on him if if they think he's going to play here going forward. Uh, Oilers and Blackhawks are 1-1. The Blackhawks look great in Game 1. I don't know if Edmonton was maybe feeling some of the pressure of being that home team, uh, but then they responded well in Game 2. Connor McDavid was great. Uh, they're playing Game 3 Wednesday night, the late-night game. I think Edmonton... I, I, I just think Edmonton has too much firepower for Chicago outside of uh, Kane and, and Taze. And I, I mean, I think Edmonton will win this series, but certainly uh, they're going to have to fight Chicago because Chicago's not going to go down without a fight. I agree. And uh, you look at game two, Connor McDavid had three goals. We got to test out what the hat trick procedure would be uh, in these <laughs> games with no fans, and they had you know somebody run down and drop a hat over the glass. That was that was kind of sad. Uh, but he had a goal where he basically went to coast to coast and damn near dribbled the puck uh, like a basketball. Uh, he's incredible. I mean, if there was any doubt that he's the best player uh, right now in hockey, uh, he's eliminating that. At least in game two, he did. So uh, he, he's reason one why why Edmonton's going to win this series. And Leon Dreisaitl's the other reason. I mean, he's just an incredible one-two combo for Edmonton to have. Um, 
not that uh, not that Chicago. I mean, if any team would have benefited from having basically six months off, uh, it would be Chicago, given that they're kind of older. But uh, I just think Edmonton's better. So um, they they got a huge advantage in Game One by jumping out there and scoring a bunch of goals early. Uh, they're, they're basically going to have to follow that uh, that game plan if they're going to win the series. If Chicago will. The round robin in the Western Conference, the wildest finish so far of the NHL was the end to the Avalanche Blues game when the Avalanche scored with a tenth of a second remaining in uh, in regulation. And in hockey, the puck must cross the line. It can't, you know, like in basketball, if you get a shot off before, the ball could still be in the air when the buzzer uh, sounds. And if it if it goes in the hoop, it it counts. Well, not that's not the case in hockey. You have to cross the line entirely across the net. And this did with the tenth of a second left. It was fascinating to watch. The Avalanche look really good. Uh, and, and I should I should say we were pretty sure across the line uh, before point one, but it's not, it was not totally conclusive. Obviously, they stuck with the call on the ice. I just thought it was funny that these, these games are supposed to have like 20, 22, 24 cameras, and we still don't have the goal line thing completely figured out in hockey. So uh, I don't think it was their own call. It seems like they got it right, but it was, you still have that little sliver where like, is that still on the line at point one? And then like, it was point zero. Obviously, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so NHL, the, in the next decade, they got to get that figured out. They got to get your, you know, put the high speed cameras on the goal line or something, but. That's the thing we got to get figured out going forward. That's the next. To me, that's the next technology thing the NHL's got to master. Tennis, so. tennis can get it right. Soccer can get it right. I mean, that those are the two sports I, right I, now I that are perfect. Think, uh, you know, obviously, soccer's got the goal line technology. Tennis uh, has something similar. The Hawkeye you know, system. It seems like there's sort of a natural uh, progression with with hockey. You have something similar now. Obviously, you know. 12 guys on the ice and, and sticks and pucks makes that more difficult than it does in those other sports, but got to be able to figure something out, I, I would think. Yep. So. Nope, I, I agree with you there. Um, but uh, so the Avalanche look really good. The Golden Knights, uh, they've won the game. The Blues, of course, lost that. So, I mean, the Blues could be potentially a three seed here. I, the Stars are a distant fourth. But I don't. I think if you look up and down, like between Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas, they're all very worthy of being the one seed. Colorado, though, seems to be having that edge right now, in part because of the youth that they have with Nathan McKinnon, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, they have some good players on Colorado, and they uh, appear to be taking full advantage of this round robin tournament. Yeah, Kale McCarr is a young, young buck that's looked really good in this, this series or this uh, round robin so far as well. Uh, you've got the Golden Knights and you've got uh, Colorado top two teams in the standings. They play in the last round robin game, so one would think that that's potentially to, to decide um, how that all shakes out at the top. Um, I think Colorado is the best of, of those four teams, like you said. I think the Blues to this point. Um, you know, one loss as we tape this, but um, you know, maybe the team that obviously they got beat in such a odd fashion. Um, I wouldn't necessarily count them out either. And yeah, the Stars are in a bad spot. Uh, they're going to be that fourth team, and um, that's you know, when we start looking at uh, you know who might advance, and you know, uh, the Wild are the ten seed. If they're able to get out, who, who would they play? You know, and, yep. uh, so I think they're probably looking at you know. 
who's finishing first, who's finishing second, who's finishing third in this uh, in standings to see what we might face in in uh, the first the first round of the playoffs. Who would who would you want the Wild to face? Out? I mean, I would think Vegas. Vegas would be I the think team. Vegas has been like the the golden goose um, uh, team that they wanted to play, right? So even yep. years ago. And there was a whole idea, well, maybe they could get the wild card and they could get you know, put over in the other division and they wouldn't have to play all the central teams and they mm-hmm. worked out that way. Um, so I think they're the desired team. You know, They certainly know the Blues. They know the Avalanche. Um, there is playoff history with the Blues uh, somewhat recently. I don't think they want to play either of those teams. I don't think they want to play the Avs, uh, especially considering this, this series that they're going to have is probably going to be a five-game series unless they win the next two games. So if they advance, it's a long series. Now you're going to play a, a younger team. I don't think that's a great recipe for the Wild. So Golden Knights seem like the best bet. So if let's say Edmonton wins. They'd be the five seed. They will play Dallas. Uh, and then if Arizona wins, they would be, you know, they're the 11 seed. And so that they would be the highest remaining seed. They would play first place. So they would play... Who would that either be Vegas or yeah, Colorado probably. at this point? And then yeah. so the Wild would be ten. They would be. I, I guess you would probably want Vegas. You would want Vegas to be second then, right. um, unless it, I mean it's the Wild are either going to play the the first or the second place team in um, in the quarterfinals, barring Chicago pulling off a, a massive upset. So I think right now what you're kind of looking for is. That that two spot, and if if it's Vegas, that would that would pose very good things for the Wild, assuming that Arizona can finish off Nashville. The Wild looked very good in Game One. Uh, maybe the the spotlight was a little too big for the the young offensive weapons for Vancouver, but they certainly responded in Game Two. Just kind of a flipping of the script. Uh, I think the Wild are still the better team, but. They need to show a much. They need to have a much better performance the rest of the series than they showed in Game Two. Yeah, I think the one uh, a couple things that stand out to me. You know, at least in the first two series or two games, uh, the team that was more active, the team that uh, was kind of all over the ice, uh, was the team that was winning. Uh, the Wild did that in Game One. Did a good job of getting in front of Staylock, blocking pucks, getting to the net. Um, sort of making their chances happen. Um, in game two, that was that was Vancouver. Uh, they were in the position to you know knock rebounds in. They were in the position to uh, foster uh, Staylock. They took pretty good shots in, in the game, and the Wild had to play from behind all night. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's you know the move your feet thing is such a uh, you know cliche in hockey. You know, team that moves its feet gets the breaks, uh, but that was the case in the first two games. Both, both those teams that won. Um, that's what happened. I think the goalkeeping is relatively even in this series, and it's basically you know if you can sort of rise to the challenge and play above you know where you're you're pegged, um, I think you're, you give yourself a great chance. Staylock played great in the first game. Obviously, pitch a pitch a shutout. Uh, anytime he does that, that's a bonus for the Wild. Yep. Uh, he, he gets caught, you know, with his pants down in game two with you know, twenty <laughs> seconds in, gave, gives up a kind of an odd goal. Um, and they just had to play from behind all night. And he got there were a few other goals that frankly weren't his fault uh, where he got beat. So um, you know, Markstrom, he's okay. Uh, to me, he hasn't uh, impressed me in a great 
in a great fashion. He's had a couple really good saves, but um, to me, it points to that being somewhat even. So, uh, you know, the goaltending, as you would expect in the playoff series, you know, somebody who rises to the challenge is going to give their, their team a chance to win. So, um, you know, I've seen some okay things from some of these wild players, um, you know, and I, I'm not I'm not uh, completely discouraged, but yep. obviously each, each of these games going forward, they only get bigger. So they, they can't afford a slow start like that game two. Well, and again, these two teams are separated by one point. So don't look at the seeding like, oh, man, right. know, the yep. Vancouver's, you know, three spots higher than the wild no i mean these guys are separated by a point so they're very evenly matched what do the wild do with with staylock and the whole goalie position like i he's been he's been the solid netminder for the wild all season long given what dubnik was going through with his wife and the medical issues and stuff there but Dubnik also carries with him the postseason experience, and he's done, I would say, overall fairly well in the in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But you know, where is his mindset at? How how good is he? I just wonder what. I don't want there to be a short leash on Staylock, but you, I think that's a kind of a precarious situation for the Wild to be in. How do you manage that situation? Should it go uh, to quote you know? Paul Allen pear-shaped here in game right. three. Well, I, I think uh, the only clear uh, direction I think that uh, this would take where the decision to be made is, is Staylock's bad in game three and you play Dubnik in game four really with nothing to lose. And the, and the other reason is uh, these games will be on back-to-back days, uh, uh, Thursday and then Friday uh, for the game three and game four. So that would be the reason maybe even in a, you know, even if they win, it could be a reason to potentially play uh, or you know play Dubnik. I don't know. I'm not a hockey, I'm not a hockey coach, but uh, it seems like you know the regular season when you have a back to back, you're not afraid to, to play both goalies. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's a chance to get Dubnik in, that I, I understand that if you win both those games, it just sets up kind of a, a nightmare scenario going forward. Or now we. You play, but I think they ride Steelock until it's uh, it's clear that he's struggling or they need to go to somebody else. And if they think Duke can kind of save the series, I completely understand doing that. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe they do go Staylock game three, and then they have nothing to lose in game four. You know, if if uh, you know if, Duke, if they start Dubnik in that game four, they're like, and he struggles, be like, okay, we still have game five, we can play Staylock. So I mean that. That's a possibility and, too. So, and, I mean, just from what I've gathered uh, in the interviews and stuff, I mean, Salak seems like a pretty even keel guy, um, a guy who's waited a long time to get his chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could argue that that's the reason why he's just keep playing him. He's, he's not likely to be flustered. But if they decided to, to work Dubnik in at some point in the series, he doesn't seem like a guy who would be uh, terribly offended. But when you just lay it out apples to apples this season. Staylock's are in the chance. And yes. if that's what we're going off of, I, it's hard to not playing him. It's hard to not playing him all the way out and uh, not concerning yourself with Dubnik's situation, even though on paper Dubnik's one and Staylock's two. Uh, this season, Staylock's been one. So. There's arguably no player in hockey, or I guess he, this guy is in, the, I would say, the top five right now in terms of how hot he is. Uh, and that's Kevin Fiala. He scored a couple of goals, albeit late, and when the Wild were out of it in Game Two. But he's playing outstanding, uh, continuing his torrid pace from the regular season. 
Who else from the wild are you looking for that needs to step up here the remainder of this series? Well, uh, I mean, I think it always goes without saying. Uh, look at the guys they pay the most money to. Uh, yep. You know, Parisi, I, I know Parisi's 36 years old, and I know Brian Sutter's basically the same age. But you pay them a lot of money to, to make uh, a huge difference. So uh, I think you're counting on those two guys to, to show up. Jared Spurgeon played great in, in game one. Got him two goals that I don't think uh, you necessarily plan on. Um, Dumba has been very solid throughout the season, so you're looking for him to kind of hold down the defensive. I mean, you look at, at the Wild, and we've kind of had this debate over the last couple of years, not really a debate, but, but they've got good defenders. It's a matter mm-hmm. of putting it all together. So you kind of need them to do their part uh, to slow down that top six. They did that in game one. They weren't able to do that as much in game two. Um, it's a very skilled top six for, for Vancouver, but finding a way to break that up and giving Stalock a chance to make some good saves, uh, you know, allows for some some energy to be to be built. Um, I also look at you know Galchenyuk, who has kind of ran hot and cold. Uh, he's supposed to be a goal scorer. You know, one of these guys you can count on to to pump pump some goals in. Now he's not a forty goal scorer, but uh, he's certainly capable and. Uh, and then I'd love to see, you know, Stahl. Who knows if this is going to be his last in a run, and the same with, with Koivu. Uh, you'd like to see something, uh, some sort of offensive firepower out of out of them as well, uh, given that they're both up there in years, and who, who knows how many more playoff chances those guys are going to get, especially with the Wild. Yep, absolutely. So when we talk next, whether that's next week, I know that the baseball tournament is going on in Mitchell, so maybe it'll be a couple weeks before we... We talk again, but the next time we talk, will the Wild still be playing hockey in Edmonton? Um, it, it feels like a hard question. I'm going to say yes. Uh, game two left a lot more doubt. Uh, yep. Quite frankly, no doubt. That felt like more of what we would see in this series than it, it feels more indicative. Uh, you know, a game that was four one and, and pulled the four three at the end. It, it, it probably wasn't deserving of being four one. Uh, but four three wasn't accurate either. Right. Um, so the the results somewhere in between. I don't I don't think you can honestly look at Vancouver and say a three zero wild win in game one is indicative of, of where they're at. So, like you said, the only separated by a point in the regular season. It's the margin is going to be closer. It's going to be somewhere in there. Um, right now, I just I'd be shocked if this doesn't go five games. I mean, it feels like they're that even. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. You know, one thing I'd be curious to watch because we're going to get two wild home games here is how much does the the last games matter? You know, the fact that Dean Everson can match up against Vancouver uh, easier. He does, you know, on the broadcast they said he's not really that guy, but maybe that makes a difference. Maybe uh, you know, while they're able to put themselves in a little bit better position. So those are the things I'm watching. I think this will keep going, um, but. Who really, who really knows at this point? So in this COVID world, we don't know anything. What we know is that we don't know anything. <laughs> well, Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, keep enjoying the hockey. Uh, enjoy the baseball tournament next week in Mitchell. Uh, stay, stay COVID free, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, Jackin. Marcus Traxler here from the Mitchell Daily Republic. Uh, always good to talk with him. Uh, always appreciate his time. And great hockey insight there. The qualifying round has been very intriguing. The round robin, again, I didn't know that they were... I, th- I thought they were just ta- tacking it on to the regular season. Uh, 
my bad. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, referring back to our conversation with Charlie about the Big Ten stuff uh, after we recorded that, and then the Big Ten announced um, soon after that they were doing a 10-game schedule, and now the Big Ten players are talking. So uh, kind of pulling doing exactly what the Pac-12 is doing and that they're well within their rights there. Uh, D2 and D3 schools have uh, canceled or postponed fall sports uh, either to the spring, they're tabling that, or just cancel it altogether. So um, we may have a podcast next week, the baseball tournament in Mitchell uh, that uh, that uh, Marcus and Travis will be at. Uh, might take precedent over that, so we'll, we might take a week off next week. Come back in two weeks. The qualifying round will be done in the NHL. We'll see what uh, what else COVID has hit uh, in in baseball, college football. There will be undoubtedly more news there. So we'll get Charlie back on, and we'll see where we're at in the hockey playoffs. So uh, hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, great stuff as always. I always appreciate Travis's time and uh, Charlie and Marcus's uh, great insight there. It's great to do the podcast with them. So, uh, hope you enjoyed it. You can find this on podcast.com. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at NDStacken. You can follow Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. And of course, follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. And he does stuff with the Mitchell Daily Republic. So, definitely. Uh, do that uh, Mitchell Daily Republic you can find that of course online so uh, also Facebook we have a link to the podcast posted in the later part of each week after we get the podcast recorded kind of doing this on separate days here because it's you know, difficult to do with schedules and that's totally fine so uh, again hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast it's great that sports are back we'll see what goes on in the NFL as that goes forward again college football there will be news. NHL and NBA uh, games will still be going on. The bubbles are working well in Edmonton, Toronto, and Orlando thus far. We'll see if that can continue. And we'll see what happens on the baseball diamond as well. If the Twins can keep up their torrid pace. So for Travis and Charlie and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And we'll be back again either next week or the week after with another edition and plenty of sports to talk about on the Sports Block Podcast. Enjoy the week, everyone. Wear a mask. Stay safe. Stay safe from COVID. Talk to you soon on the Sports Block Podcast.